This is Rabbi Paul Saul from Congregation Shuv Israel in West Hartford, Connecticut, and I'd like to discuss with you a little bit about Parsha Mishpatim. It can, at first blush, feel like a little bit of a letdown following the sacred drama at Mount Sinai, which is recorded for posterity in Parshat Yitro. At the conclusion of last week's Parsha, Israel's given immortality with its designation as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Mishpatim literally means ordinances. On the other hand, it's often thought of as a law book, pronouncing mundane rules that deal with a plethora of subjects such as slavery, economic equality, the sacredness of life, animal welfare, the role of women, and it even begins with what are essentially labor laws. But it's through these diverse mundane ordinances that the opportunity is afforded to Israel, and by extension to the entire world, to work toward the Gamar HaTikun, the final repair of the created order. It's not until the end of the portion, though, that we get a glimpse of this glorious destiny. Circling back to an event that many commentators believe took place before Moses ascended the mountain to receive the Torah, we're presented with an extraordinary vision which is witnessed by Moses, Aaron, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders. These Israelites had a vision of the light of the Creator. What they appear to see is a brick of sapphire resting beneath the feet of God under the Kisei HaKavod, the Holy Throne. The vision of God sitting on a throne, a Kisei, is described by several prophets, among them Micah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. The Hechalo tracts of the early centuries of the Common Era speak of the throne as the Merkava, or the chariot which can carry us to the loftier place of presence before the Holy Blessing One. Though the Hekalo tracks are extremely esoteric, and they're generally considered unreliable and somewhat Gnostic, they do offer a window into the historical thinking of Jewish mystical traditions. But what is unique is this brick of sapphire under God's feet. A midrash, which can be found in Vayikra Rabbah, interprets the strange vision as an image from the past. Before his people were redeemed from Egypt, God kept before him this brick, symbolizing the bricks and mortar to which they were enslaved. It was a visual expression of the idea that God was with them even throughout their suffering. After their release from slavery, however, the brickwork was cast away and no longer seen in the heavens. But is this just a mere remembrance? According to Shemot 24, verses 9 through 10, Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up. They saw the God of Israel, and under his feet was something like a pavement of sapphire, as clear as the very heavens. Yet he did not raise his hand against the nobles of B'nai Israel, so they beheld God, and they ate, and they drank. From a Messianic Jewish perspective, it's noteworthy that the Holy One is not merely incarnate in a pillar of smoke or a pillar of fire, but he is fully corporeal, my apologies to the Rambam. Not only does the king have feet, but he's sitting upon a throne, so it's clear 
that he has a posterior. Rather than viewing this as an exclusively retrospective image, perhaps it has an anticipatory significance as well. This strange vision has the capacity to create connections between conflicting events of incredible magnitude and intention. In Egypt, the people were previously slaves of Pharaoh, forced to build cities of bricks made from straw. However, at Sinai, they have become a people who want to serve God. The brick of sapphire contains within it the residue of an earlier period, but the same image also points towards the glorious future. The brick shines like the purest heavens. The choice seems rather clear. Do you wish to build tombs for Pharaoh or a holy kingdom with the holy creator? So, Mishpatim is not simply about legal details and minutiae. Rather, it is the building block of a just society, a world under the rule of the rightful king. There is not a king without a kingdom, and there is no kingdom without a king. God's highest standards return us to a world where we understandably see the king of, on his kise hakavod, and when the king is on his throne... We do not have to bear the weight of the world on our shoulders. So the world will be repaired one heavenly brick at a time. And we are destined to be more than just spectators as we dwell in the presence of the Lord. This is Rabbi Paul Saul. It's been a pleasure sharing with you. If you've enjoyed this commentary and like to see others like it, please stay with us at umjc.org. Thank you and shalom.